Hello, everyone. This is Ron Bush with Ron Bush Consulting, and you're a part of the Information Playground. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, Ron Bush Consulting is a cybersecurity consultancy. Uh, we help companies avoid data breaches, and you're listening to us in one of several different ways. Uh, first off, we are coming to you from WVLP. If you're in Valparaiso, Indiana, that is an excellent radio station to get involved with. They're a community uh, FM radio station. You can find them at 103.1 FM, or uh, you can stream us through them uh, through WVLP.org. They're an excellent radio station. I hope you check out their website. You can stream us from that, or you can, or by the way, that's on Mondays from 8 to 9 a.m. or Fridays from 1 to 2 p.m., or you can catch us on demand, and you can do that on any of the podcast platforms under The Information Playground. That's also our broadcast name with WVLP, or you can watch us on YouTube also under The Information Playground. We've got a great guest for you today, uh, Dr. Amy McCormick, who is president of Calumet College St. Joseph. Welcome, Amy. How are you today? Great. Thank you very much for having me. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you today. So um, I want to uh, start off talking about uh, Calumet College uh, St. Joseph. Tell us a little bit about the school, uh, how it got started. I know it started in 1951. Uh, tell us a little bit about the founders. Well, actually, we have a great history. So we were founded in, or we started in 1951 as a satellite of St. Joe College and Rensselaer. So both institutions are sponsored by the Missionaries of the Precious Blood. So that's our sponsoring order. Um, we are the only Catholic college in Northwest Indiana. And since 1971, we've actually been independent. So while we still have the same sponsoring order as St. Joe College, we are independent from St. Joe. So we are Calumet College of St. Joseph. Um, we have had a few names, I think Calumet College St. Joseph. Uh, we had St. Joseph Calumet Campus. So we've, we've got a great history. We're located in Hammond, Indiana. Um, we actually, our campus has a, a really fascinating history too. We were donated um, the campus from uh, Standard Oil, Amoco Oil. And when they moved to the Western suburbs, they donated the campus. So our campus and our classrooms are in the research and development building um, that was um, Standard Oil's campus. So uh, it's now part of BP. Um, but we are, we are grateful for that donation uh, back in the early 70s. So that, that is our campus. And so we're one large building um, with our classrooms and all of our administrative um, functions. And then we have our athletic center as well. Excellent. Well, I've, I've been to the building many times, as you know. It's a beautiful building. It's a beautiful campus. Now, you offer quite a few different degree programs, associate, bachelor's, as well as master's. Talk a little bit about that, if you would. We do. We have, um, we've actually, over the past uh, year, really looked at how we could meet students where they are and help them get to where they want to go. So uh, having the opportunity to offer associate's degrees, um, we, we do that in business, criminal justice, and also in uh, human services as well. Our uh, most re recent associate's degree is in health sciences. Um, and that is an associate's degree that will um, lead directly to a nursing program that um, 
is part of a collaboration with Marion University. So you do the first two years at Calumet College. The third year, it's an accelerated program. So it's for those the talented students that want to uh, get a nursing degree in three years. And then uh, you do online coursework for your nursing program and then clinicals right here in Northwest Indiana and any lab work would be done at Calumet College. So we are um, in the process of finalizing that collaboration, but I hope that we're able to roll that out in the fall. So that's our most recent associates program. Uh, we have about 15 bachelor's programs. Um, our two largest are in business and criminal justice, but our, uh, a bachelor's program that is in high demand is in psychology, and many of our students get a minor in psychology, as well as a major. And then biomedical science is probably one of our fastest growing programs. And then you mentioned the master's program, public safety. We have a couple accelerated programs in public safety and um, business management. And those are for adult students that have some credit hours to bring with them. And it is an accelerated format that you can complete in a relatively short period of time. Um, you mentioned our master's programs and those are in uh, public safety, psychology, uh, teaching and um, uh, master's in management. Yeah. So that, that kind of rounds out our program, so. I've had many of your fine students, both in the bachelor as well as the, uh, the master's uh, uh, program as well. So uh, I love the emphasis of the school. I, I pulled this off your website, which by the way is ccsj.edu. Um, social justice, service, and community. Talk to us a little bit about that. Um, well, we, we've, those, are been, those have been uh, commitments of ours since our beginning. Um, I like to refer to our, uh, our campus as uh, the community is our campus, and I want our campus to be out in the community. So we have a lot of service opportunities to, to help community organizations. Um, actually, as a matter of fact, this Friday, some of our students are helping uh, clear, uh, as we all have, if we live in winter states, uh, the debris that you see around town um, on the beaches after the snow melts. So we have a, a number of our sports teams doing some uh, uh, garbage cleanup just to help beautify our campus. But in Whiting, Indiana, we also have um, students that volunteer for setup and takedown of some of the big festivals. We have students that are um, uh, volunteer to, to help at the Boys and Girls Clubs. And so there's definitely a number of opportunities um, for our students to provide service, to give back to the community or their, or their local community. So that's something that we feel is very important and um, find ways to help students, uh, you know, further their passion to help others. Great, great. You've got a great student ratio, uh, 10 to one. Um, again, I pulled that off the website, 20 programs of study. You just went through quite a few of them. 94% of students receive financial aid. Um, I can't think of anything more important at this time with rising rates, uh, rising student debt, um, stuff that's in the news, it seems like every day. Um, how, do you, how do you get 94%? You must work really hard at that. We do. Um, I would say that uh, affordability and accessibility to college is something that um, we all believe very strongly. 
um, is important for our, our surrounding communities. So we've made it a point uh, to be very affordable. So we're one of two institutions, private institutions in the state of Indiana that um, has tuition under $20,000. So we feel like that's very important. But in addition to being under 20,000 for a private institution, um, we offer a lot of um, financial aid. Now that comes in the form of merit-based aid and also um, need-based aid. The state of Indiana is very generous with need-based aid. So if you qualify for Pell Grants, um, there's also a lot of state aid if you, if you are an Indiana resident that makes uh, college much more affordable. One of the most recent, and um, Ron, you mentioned about, uh, you know, making college affordable uh, on, I think it was last night, NBC had a special story about students and their number one concern and priority is um, looking at the cost of college. And so in this particular time during the pandemic and maybe uh, lingering economic uncertainty, we have rolled out that we'll start this fall called the Calumet Commitment. So we feel strongly that we don't want students to give up on their dream of a college education. And more and more students, especially those that are first generation to college are questioning the value of college. And of course, we feel that um, a college education, it's something that uh, while you, you can have a job taken away from you, you can never have your degrees and your education taken away from you. And um, we believe in a liberal arts foundation um, that is a solid foundation in, in writing and speaking and um, critical thinking, uh, being able to analyze data, and then that pairs nicely with your professional degrees that you might choose. So uh, making college affordable, our Calumet commitment, which you'll hear more about, um, is actually earning your uh, senior year of tuition um, for free. And that you have to um, apply for federal and state aid, so you have to fill out a, a FAFSA. Um, but if you come to us as a first year freshman, um, it's our commitment to uh, students that if you stay on track and you keep your grades up, so college has to be a priority, you keep your grades up, you stay on track, and you're able to graduate in four years, we're going to make sure you can get there and make sure that finances aren't a barrier. So well, we're really excited about that. And that's for incoming freshmen. Those uh, you hear more and more about uh, high school seniors taking a gap year. And we know from the research that if you, if you take a gap year, you're less likely to go on to college. So we are trying to encourage those seniors, first time, full time freshmen to, um, you know, keep their dream alive and to stay on track. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Gap year is something you didn't used to hear about, but you hear about it a lot now. I, I loved when you were talking, you, uh, you alluded to, to several things. One of them that hit me is the soft skills. Um, there's, there's got to be, uh, you know, I, I'm mostly on the cybersecurity side, so I'm mostly on the IT side of things. And geeks aren't known for having good per people skills. I'm an accountant, so I can, I can, <laughs> I can relate, I hate to say. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I'm still on the board with Center for Workforce Innovation uh, there over in Valpo. And, 
and one of the things that we've over the years, um, I'm searching for the right word. We've we've gotten uh, communicated, I guess is the right word, to the high schools, especially, but also other areas, uh, in other industries, what have you, is the importance of soft skills. We we really don't have a good foundation for that. It used to be the family. I know I was taught. I was brought up. Uh, you know, it was yes sir and yes ma'am. Age didn't matter. Socioeconomic. Somebody else uh, tells you to do something. It's yes ma'am. Uh, it's yes, sir. And that has held me in good stead all of my life. Um, courteousness, uh, uh, I guess just being open to new ideas. Uh, you mentioned critical thinking, knowing how to, to wade through all the, all the stuff today. I and mean, we've got, uh, again, on the IT side of things, we're inundated with emails and and uh, spam, and it just seems like there's no end to it. Um, when I've had the, the privilege of teaching classes over there, I've had students, we always walk through, what does this mean? How do you, how do you dig down to what the, the true uh, attempt is or, or what, you know, what's really important about this? I don't see that taught in a lot of places. And I, I love it that Calumet College gives you know, credence to that and gives attention to it. Yeah, you know, my, I might just mention we actually have five pillars that talks a little bit about what you just said. And, um, you know, one of them is intellectually competent. So, of course, we want our students to graduate with degrees where they are competent in their subject matter. But another one is open to growth. So experiencing uh, new ideas, um, debating topics. Uh, being able to um, understand from others their opinions, uh, their culture, their background. Uh, loving is another one. So your point about just caring for one another and uh, showing concern and care um, for our fellow students, citizen, neighbor. Committed to justice. We talked a little bit about that, but of course that's a strong pillar for Calumet College. And then the other one is religious. And even though we are the only uh, Catholic college in Northwest Indiana. Uh, uh, probably only half of our students identify as Catholic. And so we are open to all religions and students that have no religious belief. And, um, you know, it gives them a uh, chance to be open to growth, to understanding religion, whether they choose to, um, you know, practice a religion or not. Uh, but we have two humanities classes that um, are in theology, and one of them is, is around social justice. So, well, That's excellent. That's excellent. Uh, you mentioned a couple of times well-rounded. Uh, when my son was little, we tried to travel as much as possible. And we tried to travel outside the country as much as possible. I, I think there's very few things that are, are as educational as a trip to another country. And which other country isn't as important as getting out and seeing what other, how other people live, what their cultures are like. You've got a, a nice mix of international students there that, uh, that I've always liked. Yes, uh, well, Ron, we could spend a whole show talking about this, so please invite me back, but um, uh, I wrote uh, a 300 page dissertation on internationalization of small college campuses. So it's something I believe uh, pretty passionately about. Uh, and I was um, 
well, unlike your kids for sure, but I was not on an airplane until my senior year in college and only left the state of Indiana to go to Cincinnati and Kings Island. I think I went to Florida once, but we drove. And so um, I do recognize that that's a lot of our students and whether it's, it's lack of financial resources, but also lack of interest. Um, and so one of the things that we try to do at Calumet College is bring the world to our students. So our honors program has an international, this year we're going to New Orleans because of the pandemic, but usually it's a free international trip, uh, mostly European countries. And that has been something that has been around for a while. So for the um, honors learning community, they get a, an international trip as part of their tuition. So it doesn't cost them anything. But we have um, about 3% of our student population historically, it might be a little bit, it, well, it is a little bit lower than that now because of the pandemic. So we do have some international students um, waiting to start with us in the fall, but uh, from about 13 different countries. So mostly European, uh, Central, South America, and, um, and Asia. And so it is an opportunity at a, in a very small uh, environment, you mentioned our ratio 10 to one. So it, we are a small school. Um, we have about 700 students. The classrooms are uh, typically never larger than 30. So you do get a chance, whether it's on your athletic team or in band or um, and, and some of our extracurricular activities to really get to know students from a different country. And that is a way that um, it helps broaden your perspective, sometimes just understanding news and, and uh, um, climate and food, um, religions in other countries, but, but oftentimes it's creating a, a friendship for life and, and maybe you will visit uh, them in, in another country someday. Oh, that's, that is excellent. Yeah. I, I'm reminded uh, of a, uh, you know, I'm a Rotarian and, and uh, um, last, oh, it's probably five, six, seven years ago that we had an exchange student, to, Rotary has an exchange program. And we had an exchange student from uh, Denmark. And I was so impressed with that young lady. She was a, a junior in high school, if I remember right. She was fluent in five languages, spoke better English than most of us. And uh, just, uh, it's amazing what, what travel will do for you, what education can do for you. When I, you know, I make no secret that I'm, I'm in cybersecurity and we both know that I have a passion to, to educate really everyone on how to stay safe, how to keep your, their families, their companies and all the rest of that safe. Part of that is being able to think critically. When you get that email that you don't recognize, is curiosity going to get you? The, the idea of seeing some cute puppies uh, going to override common sense? Well, no, it's probably not if you think about it. Um, well, the and, one I have gotten recently several times is the Amazon gift cards. Uh, oh, your, your gift card's up to $130, claim it now. That's <laughs> the one you need to go and block caller. So for, for your listeners, anybody that's getting that, that's a recent one. But, um, you know, uh, definitely there are many emails that come through to faculty and staff on our campus that appear to come from me. 
So, um, you know, that people have to just first look at the email address, you know, think, um, is this an email she would send me? But, but uh, the hackers are really smart these days. So they find the new, the new kid on the block and, oh, I see there was just an announcement of a new person and send them an email. And, you know, they, they're not, not uh, as familiar with how I would communicate or that I would never ask them to send me their, their telephone number so I could text them. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Uh, 2020 was the year of the hacker in, in many ways. They, uh, you know, we, we started the year with Microsoft leaving, uh, I think it was 200 million um, purchasers uh, <laughs> available yeah. on the World Wide Web. Uh, that was just an employee mistake. So there's no way for them to know how many times it was downloaded or anything else. We ended the year with the SolarWinds hack. We ended the year with uh, um, the uh, Excelion hack, which managed to get Kroger and most of the major law firms in the country, as well as a host of other, other industries. Um, and uh, it just seems now, now we're becoming more and more familiar with another Microsoft app, Heck, this was on the exchange servers and it probably will dwarf the other two put together. Um, there's no shortage of, of, uh, of those kind of things happening. And yet at the same time, identity theft is, is growing more and more. Education is really the only, the, the only solution to this as it is to most of our problems. So. I mean, you mentioned your business in cybersecurity and that's one of our recent collaborations with... Uh, Ivy Tech, where students get their associate's degree in cybersecurity. Um, those classes, uh, not all of them, but some of them would be taught on our campus. And then uh, we have created an articulation with Ivy Tech. So it manages your cost of college and then you go right into your bachelor's degree in either criminal justice or business. So you would have that specialization in cybersecurity and then uh, easily transfer into business or uh, criminal justice for bachelors. So we're really excited about that. I mean, your field of work, I think, is only going to get, um, you know, more desirable work skills for sure. So if you have that background, I think you become a very valuable employee to somebody. Oh, I, I appreciate that. And I couldn't agree more. You, when you think about uh, incident response plans, you think about business continuity, disaster preparedness, uh, even uh, information security policies and procedures. All those things require teamwork. All those things require collaboration. And it, it really, um, again, education, what, what you're doing there at Calumet College, what Ivy Tech does uh, is, is helping students understand that. Um, you know, primary school probably does an excellent job of teaching collaboration. I don't know, it's been a while since I was in primary school, <laughs> but, but they probably do a great job. But, but when you get to business, it isn't always as smooth as it is in an academic situation. And this is where learning this stuff in college now prepares you to go out into the, to the business world. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just excellent. I wanna, we're at a, a good uh, stopping point because I wanna change directions. So uh, give me just a moment. I want to identify uh, WVLP and uh, talk a little bit. Little bit. I'll, uh, I'll ask you in a few moments how folks can reach you, uh, if they have any questions and, and what have you. So you're listening to the Information Playground. I'm Ron Bush. I own Ron Bush Consulting. 
I like to keep things simple. So I named the company after me. That way, I, you know, no confusion there. Um, you can find us at ronbushconsulting.com. Email me, ron at ronbushconsulting.com. You can also find us Monday mornings from 8 to 9 a.m., Friday afternoons from 1 to 2 on WVLP. WVLP is a, a great community radio station in Valparaiso, Indiana. Uh, I hope you'll check out 103.1 on your FM dial if you're there. If you're not, stream us from that or just go into their website, wvlp.org, and check out all the great stuff they're doing with community. Uh, they believe in giving back to the community, and you can be a part of that. You can underwrite this program or you underwrite any of their other fine programs. Uh, also, check us out on demand if you can't catch us at those times, or you'd like to re-listen to it or catch part of a, of a program. Perhaps you didn't catch all of us. Find us on demand. We're on Spotify for podcasts. Uh, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and six or seven others that I'm just not familiar with, but we're out there all under the information playground. And again, you can catch us on YouTube. You can watch us there uh, on YouTube video, uh, catch us there, the information playground. So uh, uh, Dr. McCormick, how can folks reach you? Well, probably the easiest way is to go to our website. So it's ccsj.edu. So that's Calumet College of St. Joseph.edu, but ccsj.edu. Excellent. And we have a brand new uh, website that we launched uh, last month. So we're very excited for you to go visit and hopefully contact, contact us. You can set up a tour. You can do a virtual tour. You can see all about our programs. One of the uh, enhancements to the website is also looking at programs and being able to see uh, what jobs uh, they might lead to. So that I think uh, we've heard from students if that's something that they want to see, if they get a degree and a certain major, what jobs are out there. So we're happy to have that addition too. Great, great. Well, we've, we've uh, mentioned it a couple of times, the pandemic. Uh, we just, the right word isn't celebrated a year. <laughs> I don't know how to say it, but we just crossed the uh, one year anniversary of it. That's not a good way either. Uh, anniversaries are usually pleasant, uh, but we just crossed the one-year date of being in this pandemic. That had to have been an awful challenge trying to, to steer through it. Um, how did you manage during the pandemic, all through it? Tell me some of those challenges and what you've been doing. Yeah, well, you know, I, I do think of one year as positive because we made it, and um, I think uh, the spirit on campus is pretty positive. I know our students are really happy to be back um, because we are a small environment. We offer a lot of additional support uh, services, but faculty are usually pretty available. Um, our staff are pretty available. And so students like to be in the library and, and close to where they can get uh, services uh, to be successful. And so, we certainly, at the start of the pandemic, like all institutions, we uh, went remote pretty quickly. Um, uh, we took a second spring break and then we went back all remote for the end of the semester. All of our summer classes were um, online classes. And then we started in the fall with a very um, clear plan to manage, uh, we, we called it multimodal delivery. So. Uh, we did uh, work with our faculty very closely on 
where they thought we needed in-person classes for the teaching and learning. Um, and our math and science classes were almost all in-person. Uh, we went through and made sure we had social distancing and all the um, protocols necessary. We installed a lot of plexiglass in classrooms and service counters. Uh, of course, we required masks and did a lot of additional cleaning. Uh, then we, we worked with faculty that wanted to offer a variety of hybrid classes. So, so those have taken um, various forms uh, where it might be meeting once a week, it might be meeting three times a semester. Um, so those, those hybrid classes have been pretty, pretty creative and pretty flexible. And then we do have um, virtual classes, which are online, but at the class time. And then we have online classes, which can be done um, at any time at your leisure. So we still, in the spring semester, still have um, a variety of delivery options. Um, and I think we will continue to have a variety. We do hear from our students that they want um, the in-class and they want to be on campus. Um, we certainly have seen um, a bigger struggle with some of the more difficult classes, math and science, um, uh, students that probably aren't as prepared for college level work. Uh, it, it's harder to do that, um, I think, just to, to keep their attention and not be distracted when you're doing that remote. And, and sometimes your distractions are at home are, are difficult to navigate. Uh, but we also hear from students that they'd like to be on campus, they want to be back in person, but they wouldn't mind having a couple classes that are online. So, so we're looking forward to the summer. We've really been focused this year on managing capacity and social distancing and just uh, making sure we're very responsible at the same time offering an engaging teaching and learning environment. And I think over the summer, our uh, are, uh, in May, we have a working day with the faculty. It's kind of the faculty's in-service uh, education day, and it's all around technology and how we can even improve. And we have uh, four faculty coaches, and we'll have uh, guest speakers and um, opportunities to learn some additional ways to engage students. So, so you know, our faculty, I've just been really impressed that they have you know, they're invested in making sure that it's a, a really positive learning environment. And, um, and we, we do, uh, we have renovated our library. So at a time when um, uh, a lot of schools maybe aren't doing things, we were lucky to have a, a significant um, uh, grant from the Lilly Endowment, a million dollar Lilly Endowment grant that's allowed us to really invest in, in new programs and innovation but also creating a student success center in our libraries. It's our academic uh, resource center and um, being able to have uh, separate rooms for students to, to even Zoom classes while they're in the library. And um, so that's just uh, students came back from uh, spring break and we have uh, uh, new digs for them. So that was very exciting and have a few more pieces to come in, but that, that's been uh, certainly our tutoring uh, as far as additional support services for students. Um, you hear a lot about the mental health 
of students. I mean, that's with everyone, um, but we are uh, take that very seriously and we have expanded our counseling services. We even offer it for our students through the summer. So even when they're not in class, you know, they've created a relationship with our counselor. We don't want them to have to go somewhere else and it's part of their um, service as a student. And so we offer that during the summer. And then we also enhanced our tutoring services um, through an online platform that uh, provides 24 seven um, tutoring services in addition to the in-person. So we're definitely trying to make sure, you know, however a student defines their own success, we wanna help them get there. Well, that's great. Yeah. And, and honestly, that reflects the business uh, climate. Uh, I don't, I've forgotten the number of how many businesses furloughed people, how many businesses uh, uh, sent employees to work from home. The last thing I read on Google, and of course they've relocated to, set, uh, to uh, Austin uh, in the last year or so. Uh, but the last I, I read about Google is they had, had sent everybody home to work remote for an indefinite period of time. They, at, at the time I read that, which was a few months ago, had no plans to bring anybody back into the offices. So some businesses are doing that. Some businesses, of course, can't work from home. Um, I, I, my heart goes out to restaurants and uh, you know businesses that they depend on your being there. Mm -hmm. uh, mills and, and uh, many manufacturing plants, same issue, they need, Unless they have robotics in place, they need people there. Yeah. Um, but what I've also read is of the total business, uh, uh, I guess, environment that has sent people to work from home, only 50% are, are expected to come back at any time when the pandemic is, is finished. Meaning that some businesses find it actually more profitable. They're, they're able to cut costs by not having uh, um, the traditional brick and mortar office building. Um, others that won't work for. So it's just a, it's a, I, I wanna say a hodgepodge, but it's just a combination of things. And, you know, it just seems natural that everything would reflect that. Your students having a, a combination of, of in-classroom uh, education as well as remote just seems logical to me. So that's excellent. I think of some research that, um, you know, I look a lot of, at a lot of research on why students choose colleges. And um, one of the, uh, I think top one or two reasons, of course, academic program, but is a sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. And so I think about how that even extends to businesses, how you choose a place to work and and do I feel like I have colleagues and, and a community? Now, maybe that's not as important in the business environment, but um, certainly in the college environment, that's, that's where students wanna feel a sense of belonging. And, and our tagline is you belong, but I think that small college environment, about half of our students are athletes. So, you know, they belong to a team, they're working in their, their uh, classrooms on team projects and, and feel that sense of belonging, which it'll be interesting if that changes after the pandemic, because um, the, I've gone to several conferences and we look at research on what um, college students say and, 
And um, we know that uh, some of the mental health issues and depression and anxiety that we hear about in college students, um, they are looking for a place where they feel they have uh, a sense of belonging. And, and so um, we're, we're happy that we offer that. We try to deliver on our tagline and, and certainly uh, our motto is you belong, but our tagline is uh, be known, be successful, belong. And you know how you define success, of course, that might be a great job, that might be a sense of purpose, that might be helping others. And, and so um, we, want, we want to help students uh, define their own success and, and help them achieve it. That's an excellent point, and you know, and uh, I can see I can see the point on uh, on on how if you're at home feeling ostracized from the rest of the world, uh, how important we all know how important interaction between or with another human, just just the human touch alone, how important that is. I, I was looking at the news with the spring break stuff going on in Florida, and I'm thinking, how much of this is just a, a uh, response to being shut up alone in a house uh, for for a semester or half half a semester, um, just a need to get out and, and see each other and communicate and, um, and socialize. So, uh, well, excellent point. Innovative academic programs. You have no shortage of that, but you've got a bunch of new things going on. You mentioned the one uh, the partnership with Ivy Tech. Um, what all is going on? Well, we did. I mentioned a few of them in our conversation, but certainly the cybersecurity with Ivy Tech, the nursing program. There's a, a shortage of nurses still, um, but being able to do that and collaborate with another institution. Another one of our uh, new programs, which is a collaboration, is medical lab science. So we started. Um, down that path uh, before the, probably a year before the pandemic, not knowing that it would be such a, a critical career choice. So those would be all people that work in, in labs and blood banks, uh, looking at um, you know, lab reports and taking uh, uh, labs at hospitals. And we are in collaboration with two hospital systems, uh, Franciscan, health and also community um, hospitals, community health system here in Northwest Indiana. So that, that's a new program that just started this year. Um, we are in the process of really looking at education. It's another um, area that has a high demand in the state of Indiana. Um, there are a number of schools that are having difficulty um, filling teacher positions and we have a program in our sciences where you get a degree in natural science and in four years also get a master's in teaching. Now it's an accelerated program for those students that are good in science and want to become science teachers. And we're also just re-looking at um, our whole education, teacher education, and in, in several conversations with advisory groups and other organizations to see how we can try to meet the demand in the state of Indiana and certainly in our region for teachers. Um, we've long been um, referred to as the teacher of teachers. And so we're, we're hitting the pause and having a lot of exciting conversations about how we uh, attract 
students into the teaching position uh, profession and fill some of these open positions. And we have some scholarship and some Lilly money to do that. So we're excited. And, and the pandemic, this sort of, as you bring the two together, um, certainly uh, people have heard me say that uh, we need to use the pandemic to position the college for post-pandemic success and strength. And so um, while we have spent a lot of time managing and navigating uh, the requirements of the pandemic and constant screening of our athletes and um, well, and sports that are changing seasons and all that, yes. um, we have had so many um, really engaging conversations about uh, you know, how we can uh, retool programs, offer new programs, certificates, uh, really share some courses so that we can make some of our programs more robust and have shared content across uh, uh, some of our disciplines that just makes them more enriching. And uh, so, so that those are just some, um, some of the conversations that are happening right now. And so, I'm sure that there's no shortage of, uh, of ideas. It's probably the other thing I would say, because we are a small school, um, you know, you, you will find small institutions that might offer 40, 50 majors, and we only offer, you know, less than 20. And so what we're really focused on is what does our region need? We are, we are an institution that, um, uh, started offering urban education to serve uh, Northwest Indiana and the South Side of Chicago. And so uh, we are really looking at what our region needs and how we can continue to um, offer, you know, the public service and the, um, uh, the programs that meet workforce demands, but also the community needs. And so uh, we, we look at our strengths and we look at what, what is needed for our region and um, figure out if, if we can make a match there. And that's certainly our sweet spot. That's great. Well, and the advantage of a small school, we mentioned the, the uh, student teacher ratio, but it's, uh, what's your tagline being known? It's that yeah. ability that you're not a, you're not just another number. You're, a, uh, you're actually a known quantity and you know other quantities, you know people and they, they know you. And, uh, and, and I would say, you know, a lot of small schools would, would say that they have a small student uh, faculty ratio and um, but it, it amazes me uh, every once in a while I get to sit in on meetings and and we, we do know our students so uh, if a student misses a class for a week, uh, there's conversation about you know, just making sure is the student having a tough time? How are they doing? If they're doing well in the class, but they haven't showed up, is there some, you know, family or personal issue that, that you know, the right person is able to follow up and reach out to them? And so, you know, it's college is tough. I have college kids myself. I know that there are there are some tough days and, and sometimes just having that, that phone call, someone reaching out, just saying, are you okay? Is there anything you need? Or um, you know, connecting them with the right person um, can be helpful. And so I, I do feel like we deliver on that promise. Um, 
I would say that I used to try to know as many of the students as possible. It's a lot harder when everyone's wearing masks, but um, I still try. So I like to check on them and see how they're doing and how they're enjoying their classes. And if they have perfect attendance, I always check on that too. That's so. great. You know, you talked about being the college that teaches the teachers. Um, something I've noticed and I, and this has no bearing on it other than it made me think, I, it seems like uh, I've got a number of, of, uh, of connections to different uh, educational institutions around the country and all of them seem to be suffering from a lack of professors, a lack of teachers. Mm -hmm. I know in, uh, 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 where is it? I, some, some school district that I was just reading about, uh, they've dropped the requirement for the master's degree uh, they've, they've dropped uh, a number of requirements because they don't have enough teachers to fill the, the school district. This is primary uh, school, primary education. Why do you think that is? Is it just a matter of, of uh, I mean, there's this, this age uh, thing with baby boomers, uh, you know, transferring out of the workforce and, and not enough people transferring in. Is that it or what, what do you think it is? You know, it's something that I, I have written a few articles on and that I think of a lot about. I've actually done a, a little soft research on it uh -huh. um, with I'm from a family uh, that has quite a few teachers. So we have lots of discussions. And, um, you know, I think the teaching profession is is hard, especially right now. And um, I I have talked to even other institutions in Northwest Indiana, whether whether there's a regional approach to some of our programs. Um, I know the state of Indiana is having this discussion about how we can get more teachers um, in the classroom. And I don't know if it's a lack of interest in becoming teachers. Um, and is that the pay, the the challenges that you face in the classroom, you know, they, they are different than what they were. I know when I talk to some teachers, it's, you know, certainly um, you're measured by progress and standardized uh, state testing, which, which confines um, some of what you're able to teach and do in the classroom and, and how you have to stay on track. And so, so it is, definitely um, uh, a big question. It's a big question. And um, it is something when I think of what keeps me up at night, it's how uh, our K through 12 will be impacted long term. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, you won't know what positive or negative um, the impacts until it's too late. Um, so uh, I know that uh, as I talk to some of my uh, family and colleagues that are teachers, as we remove some of these requirements that are, uh, you know, whether a master's or um, continuing education, you know, their opinion would be that you're watering down the degree. And, um, but yet, there's such a demand crisis for, for teachers. So I don't know. Um, unless we can 
get it into equilibrium by price, meaning um, start to pay the profession a lot more and then people want to go into it. And then, you know, that's the whole economics and uh, supply and demand and equilibrium. So I think a lot of that also has to do with um, teacher pay. We're used to you'd have the summer off. And so that was a real attraction um, to have the summer off. But as the school years extended and you get out uh, in June and you go back in early August, that benefit, perceived benefit, which had a great deal of value, isn't there anymore when you and I went to school and you got out at Memorial Day and you went back in Labor Day and you had the whole summer. So I, I just, um, you know, it, it's a, it's a national problem. Um, you know, I'm focused on Indiana and how we can find creative ways to hopefully be a partial answer to that problem. And so we are, we are definitely taking a year to really think about how we can do things differently and hopefully position ourselves to serve a, a significant need for our society in the state of Indiana, but for our society, for sure. Yeah. I'm not the first one to observe this, uh, and I'm certainly not going to be the last, but it, it's always struck me as just wrong. Uh, rock stars and, and uh, uh, professional athletes, you know, they, they get millions every time they do something. And, and the person that actually goes out and does the work, who, how many people do you take your children and give them to? Uh, and and look to them for guidance and wisdom and, and knowledge, imparting knowledge, and 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 we we just don't pay them. Uh, yeah. You know, it's just it doesn't make any sense. There's no there's no logic to that. And yet we do it all the time. We do it every day. Mm -hmm. um, well, I've really appreciated our conversation, and I, and I've appreciated all we've talked about. Uh, there's just so much going on at uh, at Calumet College. Um, we've all been through this, I don't know, terrible but shared experience with the pandemic. And I, you know, I think we'll come out of it. I, it bothers me that the shortage of, uh, of teaching professionals. Um, I do know that it was just a few years ago, we were worried that doctors were retiring, uh, exiting the profession and uh, uh, hospitals were buying up private practices. And then there was nurses. We still have a nursing shortage, as you pointed out. We still have a physician shortage, uh, but we managed to continue to, to function in spite of it. I'm not sure it'll work the same way with, with teaching profession. I hope we manage to keep going forward. I trust we will, but um, you know. Well, I'm sure we'll have a solution and hopefully it will be a good one. So I know there's a couple task force working on it. So I'm, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm hopeful. Uh, it's, it's sort of like the pandemic when, you, when you're in kind of the, the crisis and you got to adjust um, quickly and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, you come out with new ideas and new ways of doing things. And, and so keep that well, silver lining. <laughs> well said. Yeah. Well said. We've got a few, uh, just a very few moments. Any last thoughts? Anything I, I should have asked you, uh, I didn't, or any final thoughts for, uh, for our viewers and listeners? Well, I, I mentioned a little bit um, earlier and just uh, I, I do know that there's a, a lot of um, uh, public opinion on the value of higher education. And I have um, 
spent most of my career in higher education and I really definitely see the value. I wouldn't be where I am. I was first generation to college. I grew up on a small farm and in Indiana and I, I certainly talked to all of our, our students about the um, role of higher education. You'll have a lot of jobs and some of those jobs you'll lose. Some will be taken away from you. Some will uh, you know, close, uh, and, but your, your education is something that will go with you for life. And so uh, to treat it as a priority and, and I'm very proud to um, uh, serve as president of one of the most diverse colleges in the state of Indiana and actually in the country. And I think that's, you know, our society is made up of uh, diverse opinions and people. And we like to think of um, our excellence is founded in being inclusive of all those um, opinions and cultures. And, and um, so, so I feel, feel very blessed. And so I, I um, feel like we're, we're a great option for college kids that are looking for a small environment um, where you can expand and be open to growth. So I couldn't agree more. I join you, by the way. I'm the first of my family to, to uh, attend college, um, and I managed to get through the, the master's program. There was probably grace there on other people's part, but, um, but I managed to get through it as well, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, and I obviously, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't do so many shows on, or programs on education I didn't feel strongly about it. So I, I'm grateful that you're here and I'm grateful for all you do. Thank well, you. Well, thank you very much. I look forward to spending some more time with you. So I look forward to that as well. Thank you everyone for joining us today. You've been listening or watching the information playground. Uh, there's a variety of ways to find us. Uh, you can find us on uh, Monday mornings from eight to nine on WVLP. That's 103.1 FM or stream us from that uh, station at wvlp.org. You can also uh, find us there Fridays from one to two. Find us on demand on any of the podcast platforms or find us on YouTube, all under the information playground. Um, uh, Dr. McCormick, one more time, how best way for folks to find you if they've got questions or thoughts. Calumet College of St. Joseph, our website is ccsj.edu. Excellent. You can find me at ronbushconsulting.com, wvlp.org, ronbushconsulting.com, and ccsj.edu. I hope you have a great day. Thank you for joining us, and uh, I hope that uh, you'll be with us next time.